there were six of us from Notre Dame that were in Father Woodward's AP math class. And it's really funny. I've got the image of the six of us walking down the alley. And then I was in front of, I think, Doug Free. And, I mean, it was just, it was terrifying. <laughs> but the theater, there I got my confidence. That's Kathy Cronin from the Academy of Notre Dame, class of 72, and a member of the Gonzaga Dramatic Association Hall of Fame. Welcome to episode 24 of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. I'm Brian Egan from the class of 86, and this week we're celebrating the Gonzaga Dramatic Association. If you didn't know, this weekend, the Gonzaga Dramatic Association Spring Musical opens a two-weekend run, performing Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods. And the GDA Hall of Fame ceremony on Saturday the 12th is going to welcome Howard Dent from the class of 65, as well as the casts and crews from the 1979 production of Guys and Dolls, and the 2002 production of 42nd Street. But since March is Women's History Month, I want to celebrate some of the women who have been heroes on I Street by adding so much to the theater experience by sharing their talents in GDA productions. Our guest this week, as you heard in the open, Kathy Cronin from the Academy of Notre Dame, Class of 72, Katie Fleury Ryan from Visitations, Class of 72, and Gonzaga's Class of 72, Dan Warren. Hi, Danny. How are you? Although you're not Hi, Katie. Anymore. <laughs> hi hi kathy hi dan how you doing it's delightful to be here katie let's begin with you do you recall the first time that you tried out for a play on i street spring of 1970 and it was south pacific how did you hear about the plays at gonzaga i had a, a brother who was one year older and uh, he and i were pat we piled around when we were kids and i was went to visitation and so his friends were our my friends my friends were his Whatever was going on at Gonzaga, we ended up learning about as well. And when they said they were doing a spring musical, it just sounded so awesome. We were sophomores at the time and didn't drive. So we needed an upperclassman to hopefully make it, if we made it, that was going to be our transportation. So a couple of weekends, we would get our ice skates on and we ice skated on the canal, practicing the songs to um, South Pacific so that we would be able to audition and at least not fail miserably, even if we didn't make it on our first go. What a visual. Now, Kathy, you were part of that South Pacific cast too, right? I was. Katie and I, we were both in our very first Gonzaga show in South Pacific, which was the spring of our sophomore year. Now, back in 1970, are there flyers around the Academy of Notre Dame alerting students? Is that how you heard about the play? No, you didn't need to post any flyers. I had four brothers who were all students at Gonzaga. Actually, my first Gonzaga musical, my brother Mike, who was a senior at Gonzaga when I was a freshman, he and his to-be wife brought me to see the production of Bells Are Ringing, and I was just in awe. (laughs) So I was on the lookout for anything about those shows in the future. And so that Bells Are Ringing, that was my freshman year, Other students from my class were in Take Me Along, which was the fall of our sophomore year. And Lydia Cox was in that, I think, Rosemary Schomer. And I bought the soundtrack to South Pacific and played it in my bedroom, did the wash my, you know, wash the man right out of my hair, which was the audition number that we had to perform, did my belting. worked up my nerve to get on the stage in front of that whole it was really terrifying (laughs) it was very scary it was terrifying yes because it was just that whole theater 
And at that time, it was Dominic Tatey, Father Tatey, uh, Mr. Malone, who was the choreographer. You know, you got to get up there and sing in front of this whole auditorium. And I mean, it wasn't full, but we were all pretty scared. So, yeah, it was very, it was very nerve wracking. Now, Dan Warren from the class of 72, you've worked with these ladies, but you didn't really become a part of the theater until you were in your junior year. I got cut from the varsity basketball team tryouts, and I had a dear friend who also was cut. Peter Hackett was his name. He's, he was one of the very first inductees into the Hall of Fame, my dear friend. And he he decided to give up on varsity basketball and go out for the for the play. And I was very much following him. I had a lot of nerve, was eager for the tryouts. I made the play because I was loud, because that was was the the thing they they emphasized more than anything is to project to the back of the theater. So I was loud and that was good enough to get me into the plays my junior year for pajama game. And my buddy who, Peter Hackett, who led me into the theater with, with him, uh, had the male lead. He was magnificent. Spring play that year was a big event was Camelot. Peter had the lead in that too. Great memories. And that's how I got got started. Dan, let's talk a little bit about this era because in the early 1970s, many of the people I've talked to while working on this podcast have commented on how the theater really kept the spirit of the school alive when enrollment was dropping and the sports teams weren't performing. The theater was where it was at. Do you agree with that assessment? That's very, very true. And I do think that in many ways, the most important feature of the theater as, a, as, a, as an activity that brought people together was the women, the girls who joined us and braved the neighborhood, which was in those days very rough. We only recently survived uh, the riots in the city in the wake of the uh, assassination of Martin Luther King that women were coming from schools all over the region. Visitation, yes, and just across the parking lot, the Academy of Notre Dame, other schools as well. And there was this feeling that this was a, that Gonzaga was a locus of activity and not an isolated and beleaguered institution that it often felt like in those days. But women coming in is what raised the spirit of everybody. And uh, I'm delighted that a couple of them are with us tonight. All right. I have to share this, even though this is an audio podcast. Uh, Seeing your faces on this Zoom all smiling at each other, knowing that you guys worked on plays together, that to me is the bond that happens when you put on a production like this. And the fact that it's been 50 years, I just love that the smiles that I'm seeing right now. One of the reasons that, you know, that we're grinning here tonight is that, it was really fun. We had this like giant group of friends, like we made mistakes in front of each other. We championed each other. We gave each other a little bit of grief, but it was this incredible camaraderie. And it was, it was very cool to be at an all girls school. And then um, to have guys that were friends that you didn't date that. And, and it was, so that was just lovely. I think the other thing that was really awesome about that time in Gonzaga's history and in the world and certainly in our city. Gonzaga was, it wanted to be a presence in the inner city. It wanted to be what it it does best, which is educate men for others. And the best way to do that is to be with others. 
And so it was also coincided with a time when the sports teams were pretty poor. They just like never could win. And we would go to games and we'd be so excited. We would come wearing our purple to support the fellows and they would just never win. But the stage began to blossom and it wasn't dorky. It wasn't, it wasn't for the misfits. It was for the fits and everybody was a fit, whether you had done it before or whether you were stage crew or whether you could project your voice. It turned into this most magnificent years-long friendships that have that still are here, here they are today. Katie, I love that. I love that that's the way you feel about this. And all three of you are Hall of Famers. And I imagine everybody going into the Hall of Fame this year and future classes probably feel the same way about those guys and girls that they worked with on multiple productions across their little arc of time on the Sheehy Theater and the Warman stage. Now let's talk, Katie, a little bit more about specific roles that you had that next year, junior and senior year? So I was very fortunate in that I auditioned for and made all the subsequent plays for the rest of my high school days. In Pajama Game, there was this one darling little skit called Steam Heat. It was two guys and a girl, Brian Deary, Tim Halpin, and myself. It was just cute choreography of Steam Heat and just a little dance routine. And I'm not a dancer. Oh my goodness, at all. But I was then, bit by bit, had a little bit here, a little bit there. And then it was just such a thrill. Senior year, spring show of senior year, we did uh, Damn Yankees. I was cast as Lola, which was just a trip. So it was great. Kathy, I see you smiling while Katie's talking. Please share. Yeah, no, it's funny listening to Katie because like Katie said, it was just a really great environment in which to be working together, work on something together that... You know, there was no friction. Dan, let's pivot back to you. I want to hear from you what you saw in the growth and the development of the talent between Katie Flurry Ryan and Kathy Cronin from what you saw junior year to that spring production of Damn Yankees in 72. You know, most of us started with, as they did, with a line or two in our first shows, but they emerged, both of them, as the leads for in the musicals that we put on our senior year. Kathy had uh, the unsinkable Molly Brown, and I played, to my astonishment, the male lead, Leadville Johnny Brown, her husband. The play was selected by John Warman and, and Mr. Mr. King, now Brother King, precisely because they knew that they had Kathy Cronin around. And the part that, that she played very much fit her personality. She was brash. She was energetic. She was very tuneful. She was full of life. And they had seen that in the plays that she'd been in before, and they'd marked her for that. And that's, I'm sure, why they selected that play to be done. To my astonishment, they selected me to have a, a big part, too. And once again, I depended in, uh, very heavily on my projection to overcome my other deficiencies. But I think I did a pretty good job, and I know Kathy did a great job. Katie, as she mentioned, she had the female lead playing the, the fabulous, seductive Lola in uh, Damn Yankees, which was put on um, and to commemorate the departure that year of the Washington Senators for Texas. Because that, that, that had immediately preceded the play 
damn Yankees, which features the Washington senators in their frustrated efforts to beat the Yankees. The senators had disappeared that year. So that play was commemorate that. And it very much featured the lovely and, and yes, very seductive Katie Fleury. I got to witness, I got to see their growth for sure. And it was stellar. Katie, when I hear Dan gushing over your performance and uh, Kathy as the unsinkable Molly Brown, I can't help but think about this era. This is 1970, 71, 72. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore hasn't really kicked in yet. I mean, the whole women going to college is still a very new phenomenon and women entering the workforce. I almost wonder, did being in these plays and being able to sort of deal with guys and have the ability to go toe-to-toe with them on a stage, maybe have a sense of humor, uh, be able to uh, just interact without any kind of pretense. Do you think that helped as you moved on in your career? So that's just a really interesting question. And I think, yes, Um, I left high school and went to nursing school. Humor has an, an important role in medicine. And I think that my confidence in allowing myself to maybe maybe be a little goofy or endear myself to somebody that I didn't know through humor. You know, I think that that had been allowed to blossom a little bit. And so I was a little bit more familiar with it and maybe a little bit more courageous. It took, as Kathy was saying, it was scary at first. And we wanted to do this and we wanted to be brave, but it was a little bit scary for some of us. And I'm one of them. Um, and yet having had the opportunity to practice and get it right or not get it right, practice again, uh, in an an environment where everybody was cheering for you and rooting for you, gave you energy to say, okay, and this is a completely non-dramatic situation. Somebody is nervous about whatever medical situation. I can inject a little humor, make a little joke that lightens the mood and puts people at ease. And it's interesting because it is very much a part of my personality that I think blossomed earlier than it might have. Now, Kathy, your theater experience at Gonzaga is not your only one. In my notes here, it says that you actually were one of the first female students at the Academy of Notre Dame that got to take classes at Gonzaga. What do you recall about those moments? Sophomore year, there were six of us from Notre Dame that were in Father Woodward's AP math class. And it's really funny. I've got the image of the six of us walking down the alley (laughs) to the walkway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to go up the stairs. To, and then I was in front of, I think, Doug Free. And, I mean, it was just, I remember our, we were all spaced out and it was, it was terrifying. <laughs> but then of course, at the same time, I got interested in the plays in the spring of sophomore year and Father Woodward tried so hard to get me to stay with AP. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Kathy, I could raise my hand. I had Father Woodward. I did not make it to junior year in Father Woodward's class. So I understand where you're coming from. Were there any other classes at Gonzaga that you took? I took Father Wheeler's um, Modern European History. He addressed each of the women as Lady Miller, Lady Crone. (laughs) And so it was was a little awkward. (laughs) The stage was a different scenario. And actually, I took a theater class, I think, with John King and John Warman, too. And that was that was wonderful because of, we were sophomores and juniors in high school and we were in, you know, solo 
uh, I mean, all women's environment, and then to be thrust into the men's environment, it was just a little tough. But the theater, there I got my confidence. Through the three years that I did the plays, and I went on to become a drama major in college, and, you know, and be then became a lawyer, just got very comfortable being in front of an audience and, and being on my feet. That was great. The, the classes were a little tough. <laughs> Kathy, how long were you in? Were you in AP Math? Were you just in one year or I one think semester? Sophomore year, Danny, and and Father Woodward. You know, we were in class together. I remember at the end of sophomore year, Father Woodward came with the math book, which he wanted me to work on over the summer and like catch up and uh, all my you know things that I hadn't quite like kept up. <laughs> it was hard, <laughs> and I just made me sad. <laughs> that I wasn't able to follow through on it. But uh, that's not where I'm not a scientist at heart. Kathy, you mentioned that you then took a track for law school. Connect the dots in between, because how does someone go from a drama major to law school? So Gonzaga led me to Catholic University, where I was in the speech and drama department. And, and so that training led into that training, which was more intensive in terms of criticism of your oral interpretation of prose, oral interpretation of poetry. So yeah, you learn to speak. I remember John King at one point, I, I had some word and I said, Washington, <laughs> Washington, Washington. So, you know, it's the beginning of the process. Katie, I know there's going to be someone in the Gonzaga community who actually probably has a daughter in eighth grade right now, maybe ninth grade, and is thinking about trying out for a play at Gonzaga in the future. What's your big takeaway after all these years of being a part of something like that? What would you tell them? The Gonzaga stage, you were amongst friends. The cast that is assembled once you begin to work together, these are new friends. And you want to see people like really just ace their role. And when somebody sings and nails it, there's this hoop that goes up from everybody in the wings that are all in there. I mean, this is not for the performance. This is in your sweatshirt and your sweatpants. But there's this thunderous sense of energy of like, way to go. You did it. And that is a really cool gift to be um, to be given, to be a part of. It's very awesome. And that experience is only heightened by the incredible renovation that took place a few years back to the Sheehy Theater that has just made it one of the coolest places to perform in Washington. Kathy, you got back and saw one of the recent shows since the upgrades, right? I was floored. <laughs> Singing in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> and the rain was coming down on the stage. I was like, what? <laughs> How are they doing this? I mean, I was, I was floored. And I imagine for some of the Hall of Famers that are back on I Street this weekend, if they start exploring the Sheehy Theater without a guide, they might need help finding their way back to their seats. And Vince Nesline, who was in our class too at 72, and Vince was in a lot of the same shows as we were, and we were completely lost. <laughs> like you had the stairs coming up from the cafeteria, and then it I think it turned to the right to go to the back of the stage. And then on at the base of the stairs, they were the rooms where we would put makeup on. And that was kind of it. <laughs> and then you had, you know, you had your wings 
And then I even think they developed those entryways into the audience of the theater at a later time. They were not there. John always came out and did his pushing the curtains aside to, to sit at the piano. But I mean, it was always a great stage. It was a good size that we could, you know, do some good crowd numbers on there. And I remember Huey McKenna, like swinging from the rat, the lofts up top. And so it, no, it was, it, and then we had a, we had like, one scrim that came down and you would be doing the, the scene in front of the scrim while they were working behind the scrim to get the, the next set. And when I came to see Hello, Dolly, I think that was in 2000, I was floored. <laughs> the refurbishment, the, the remodeling, the repair it has turned it into not only a, an old theater, which is what it was in our day, but a, a magnificent one. It's great to see what they've been able to do. I'm very proud to have been a part of the theater in whatever state it was in. And it's it's great to see what's happened to it. Want to bring in right now from the class of 86, Paul Buckley, the GDA club moderator, big weekend going on with Into the Woods. But when you listen to Kathy and Katie and Dan, who graduated 50 years ago, talking about the moments that they shared on the Warman stage. I imagine you've seen a lot of the same types of camaraderie among casts that you've worked with over the last 20, 25 years. After the show is over, we get to sort of take a step back and we've seen sort of the fruits of their labor and we see how the friendships have developed over the course of the months of putting on the show. And we say, like, those two are going to stay friends and those two are going to stay friends and, and those two are going to get married. And, you know, because that happens, too. There are certain moments, certain shows where the bond is just so thick and the connections are so strong that you know that they're going to last. And it just seems like we get to hear about these more and more. And I think part of it is social media. We ought to connect more. But I know of, of students from that production of Hello, Dolly and Singing in the Rain that Kathy was mentioning that are still friends and, and still really very good friends. That's part of also the fun of it. It's, you know, there's, it's putting on the show. There's, there's two great things we tell about is one is you get to put on this great show and two, you get to be a part of this great community. While the show may finish, the community lives on. What a great sentiment. Thank you, Paul. Okay, quick question before I let the three of you go. We'll go around the horn, starting with you, Katie. You're at a karaoke bar, and you have to perform a song that was in one of the productions that you are a part of. What's your go-to song? It's Steam Heat. I burst, in, we burst, I burst into, into Steam Heat song, and with all the, all the side effects, sound effects, everything. That just was a hoot. It was short. It was sweet. It was fun. It was great. Love it. What about you, Kathy? Well, I, I even think of a number that I wasn't in. It was that first number in Damn Yankees. Six months out of every year. When I'm with him, I'm alone. All right, Dan, you're up. This is easy. The uh, Washington Senators coach, Benny Van Buren, whom I played in Damn Yankees, led the cast and the male cast in singing you gotta have heart. That's the song. If I if I was forced to sing a karaoke tune, that that might be the one. One of the things that Gonzaga Theater still does to this day, excels in. It would stop you in your tracks. Was the male chorus numbers? Those young men were 
so encouraged to sing with such gusto. And don't you remember, Dan? I mean, loud and energetic. And the entire room would just reverberate with all this musical energy. The men singing their chorus songs in every one of these shows stole the show every time. Every time. They were awesome. Well, Katie Flurry, Ryan, Kathy Cronin, Dan Warren, all members of the class of 72, all members of the Gonzaga Dramatic Association Hall of Fame, thank you for sharing your Hall of Fame memories of the Warman stage and the Sheehy Theater. Thank you. What a joy. It's a pleasure. Thank yeah. you. That puts a wrap on episode 24 of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. Next week in episode 25, we continue with our salute to the stage and the women who have helped elevate the Gonzaga Dramatic Association in the last two decades. Megan Goldsmith, Jay-Z Zesky, Sarah Williams. We'll hear from the three of them about their experiences on I Street with the Gonzaga Dramatic Association. That's next week in episode 25 of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. Feedback is always welcome. Podcast at Gonzaga.org. Be sure you're following, subscribing, and sharing the Echo Ever Proudly podcast with anyone who you know loves Gonzaga. Until next time, ad maiorium dei glorium. And hail Gonzaga. Bye.